Sunday sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. for quite some time. They're a part of YWAM, um, but they're also a part of Disciple Nations, and so we've been able to do ministry with them over the years, and uh, they carry with them just a, an anointing for an eva- uh, evangelism. And so uh, Josh and Stacy get to go all over kind of the United States, but also all over the world, and I'm going to tell you about that, where they get to go and they get to teach and train people how to share the gospel message. And so I prayed uh, today that when Josh came, he would ignite our hearts to be able to share the hope in which we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I want to pray over him, and we're going to welcome him, and then he's going to come, and he's going to download us uh, with us what evangelism looks like to the heart of the Lord. So, Father, thank you for the word that Josh has brought each service, God, at the 8 o'clock and the 930, for the word that you have today. Father, I thank you that these words are not his words. These are yours. And I thank you, Lord, that he doesn't just carry his heart. He carries the heart of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use him in a profound and powerful way, that there would be a demonstration of power in the room of what happens when the bride of Christ catches the heart of evangelism. God, set our hearts ablaze, ignite something within us, and I pray, Jesus, that you would use Josh and Stacy as the vessel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we welcome them one more time? Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, I just want to begin also by honoring you, um, you all. I just, man, the presence of God is here. And I feel like he is saying amen to your hunger by satisfying you guys. And so one of my prayers is that you guys would only get hungrier as time goes on. Right? Like my prayer is to be like Caleb. When I'm in my 80s, I want to take the high ground. And that's my prayer over Aaron and Ryan and Jacob and Matt and I just want to tell you guys have an amazing pastoral leadership team. They have such a heart for you, a heart for Jesus, a love for the word and his presence that's pure. And I just want to honor that and just thank you guys for stewarding what you're stewarding here. I really believe God is going to do something amazing here just through their yeses. You guys have no idea the sacrifices that they've made to see this become a reality in partnership with Jesus. And so... Honor them, thank them, don't say bad things about them, (laughs) because they're amazing. So I want to talk about a lifestyle of evangelism, Um, but before I do that, I just want to share a little bit about my family. I'm going to tell you a brief snippets of my story, because when I first did evangelism, I had no clue what it meant to be a son, and everything changes when you know who you really are, including how you do evangelism. So if we could bring that picture up, um, Aaron introduced my wife, Stacy. We have four kids between age 13 and almost five, and we've taken them to several nations. Um, There's a, a picture of just some of the nations we've been to. In 2019, the Lord called us to walk away from 15 years of pastoral ministry. I'd done youth ministry, associate ministry. I, I uh, tried to restart a church all that. But the Lord was speaking to us about the nations. And we had made a trip in 2018 to the Czech Republic, and we thought that we were going to end up there. We got trained, and then COVID hit, and we ended up in Kansas City. As don't you know that the Lord's ways are are higher, they're better than our ways, right? Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. But it was good, 
because I didn't know what I didn't know until I realized I didn't know it. And so that's a mouthful, right? But that's the reality. And I got to have a lot of fun. I got to lead a lot of teams doing evangelism for several years. We got to take a team to the Dominican Republic for nine weeks. Saw tons of people give their life to Jesus. People healed and delivered. And it was awesome. And we got to train churches. And it was fun. It was also very difficult. There's a cost to saying yes to Jesus. Our entire family, all six of us, were in one room for nine weeks. I'm not going to go into any details, but it was tough. In Brazil, we planted churches, done all sorts of things because we said yes to Jesus. But I didn't always start out this way. When I was 14, I first got a taste of evangelism. I had been marked by Jesus. I had no clue what the Holy Spirit was. I grew up in a Baptist church. I read Isaiah 6, and I knew I was being marked. Two months later, I'm on the beaches of San Diego sharing the gospel. I have very little understanding of what I'm doing. I was handed a track. I was told, ask three questions. Two of them don't really matter. The third one, if you were to die tonight, would you know if you're going to heaven and hell or, and why? And then read them the track. 14 years old. Guys, I was terrified. So I did this the fourth or fifth time. Someone gave their life to Jesus, and I was sold. I was like, this is it. I memorized the track. For two years, I went around just sharing what I could of my testimony at that time and then sharing, just regurgitating the track. And I saw about 40 people give their life to Jesus before I was even out of high school. If I could do that with no clue for the Holy Spirit and very understanding of the Bible, you can do it too. Because I know you guys have a lot more understanding of the Bible and of Holy Spirit. So... What I want you to do is, to the person next to you, tell them Jesus loves you. If you can tell them Jesus loves you, you can begin to share Jesus with them. Amen. Have you guys encountered Jesus? A show of hands. Amen. If you have truly encountered Jesus, you can be an encounter for somebody else. It's really that simple. You just say yes. So, because I was only 16 and I didn't understand sonship and all these things, when things were going well in my life, I shared the gospel. When things were going bad or I had a bad day, you guys ever have a bad day? I wouldn't share the gospel. Why? Because I didn't know who I was. And I'm going to get to that more later. I forgot to share an important piece of our story. So back in October, the Lord started speaking to us about Europe again. It was still closed. People started giving me words. Europe's going to open to you. My wife and I started having dreams of traveling. I was like, God, I don't know what to do with this. Nothing's open. We can't do this. Well, right after the send, I had a dream that it was time to leave Kansas City. And then all these things started lining up. So we're here for about a month, and then we're going to travel to four different states, sharing Jesus, encouraging people, and then we're going to fly from L.A. to Paris. And we're going to go to seven nations. Because when we prayed as a family, the Lord spoke seven nations. We're at least going to seven nations in Europe. Because he's worthy of it all. Because he's worth it. When we said yes, we're not looking behind us. We're looking at what's in front of us. And so I want to ask if you guys would pray for us. Because we're taking four kids. And almost every week we're going to be in a different nation. 
And up here I have a QR code, if we could get to that. If you click that QR code, you can get our newsletter and find out how to pray for us. And I would just really appreciate it because we're gonna go to a lot of nations that are dry, that are, are hard. Europe is called the forgotten mission land. And actually, the areas we're going are filled with lots of Muslims too. So we get to touch the Middle East by what we're doing. But we need your prayers to carry us. Because I want to share the, the gospel with power. I want to be Jesus to people. I want my kids to be Jesus to people. We want to do it as a family on mission. So because I believe everybody deserves a chance to hear, I got on TikTok. I'm not going to give a lot of details about that, but I'm going to give a couple stats. Most of Gen Z spends nine hours a day on an electronic device, and they spend at least two hours on TikTok. Do you guys know that? Who's discipling Gen Z? It's not us. It's TikTok. And so I had a, a brother in Christ look me in the eye and say, Gen Z is lonely, and they need spiritual fathers. Will you father Gen Z with me? I felt like God was piercing my heart. I was thinking of my own girls who are Gen Z. And I said, yes. So I've seen 3,000 people give their life to Jesus on TikTok since November. <laughs> Guys, you can do this too. If you have a heart for online ministry, or maybe you don't, but you have a heart for Gen Z, I'll train you. Like, no joke, we can do it via Zoom or in person, depending on where I'm at in the world. I will train you because it is my heart to see a generation flipped for Jesus. If we want to see all the things going on in politics change, we have to see a generation give their life to Jesus. We have to see a generation encounter his love, and we have the answer. So, when you understand who you are, you can share Jesus everywhere. You guys tracking with me? Because circumstances don't define the fact that you're loved the fact that you're called, the fact that you're chosen, the fact that you're the apple of your daddy's eye, that you have your daddy's ear, that you can boldly approach that throne of grace, that you've been made righteous. Why? Because he who knew no sin became sin. So you're the righteousness of God. So you're part of the family. You're in. It's done. It's finished. And it will never change if you say yes to him. So when we say yes, this is who we are. So I don't have to worry if someone's going to reject me when I share the gospel because I'm loved by the Father. You're loved by the Father. They can't take that from you. I can't change that. You guys tracking? Yeah. This is why the gospel is such good news. We become a new creation, something that has never been. And it changes everything. Your past doesn't actually define your future. This world wants to tell you it does, but the gospel says it doesn't. It says the blood of Jesus defines your present and your future. This is why it's good news. This is why I can stand up here before you, because I've encountered him, and I know his love, and I know it changes lives. So let's go to, well, all right, I'll back up a little bit too. Sorry, guys. I'm just getting excited. So... I had been pastoring. We had gone through three rough church experiences. Not going to give the details. But as I said in other services, I realized sheep can bite the hardest. And I was like, God, what are you doing? This hurts. I'd been to seminary. I'd studied apologetics because I wanted to have an answer. Guys, you're supposed to have an answer for the hope you have. That's your testimony. That's your testimony. 
You don't have to have an answer to every question a person has. When they ask you a question you don't know, you don't have to get scared. You just have to say, you know, that's a great question. Can we meet for coffee next week and discuss it after I've had some time to think about it and research it? And what did you do? You formed a relationship. Because most people don't give their life to Jesus the very first time they hear the gospel. They have to hear it about six times or they have to have an encounter and then it's cut in half. You can be that encounter. You have Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. And so we want to build relationship with people. They're not projects. They're people that need Jesus. They're people that need to encounter his love. I had a friend of mine who told me evangelism is not hard if you have love. It only becomes hard when you're not loving. It's not about a method, although it's good to know how to share the gospel and how to share your testimony, and you can learn all that. In fact, I can train you in that if you want, but if you don't have love, it's just a method. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, they're not being encountered. That's what's gonna change a culture. People like you giving encounters to people out there. Jesus did his best work outside of the temple. So as I'm going through this hard time, I was reading the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. It's one of my favorite books outside of the Gospels. I love all the books of the Bible, honestly, but I love the book of Acts. I was reading Acts 3 and 4, and I got stuck in that story. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you, but the Lord was, was showing me. You guys know the story. Peter, James, and John, they went to a place of prayer. They saw the lame man, right? It's a song. They said, silver and gold have I not, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus you guys know it? Rise up and walk, right? The lame man starts leaping for joy all over the place. And then a crowd gathers and Peter preaches and sees about another two, 3,000 people give their life to Jesus. And that is where it ends in the Sunday school story. But he went to prison after that. Him, Peter, James, and John, they were imprisoned overnight for sharing the gospel. And the next morning, they're in front of the most educated and wealthiest people in their society. Remember, Peter, James, and John, they're fishermen. No education. Peter stands up and boldly tells them, even though, they told, even though these aristocrats, they told him not to preach the name of Jesus, he stands up to these men who can determine whether he lives or dies and said, you need to judge whether it's right for us to obey men or to obey God. We're going to obey God, and we're going to preach Jesus. This next verse is where the Lord really gripped my heart. It's in Acts 4.13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Your education, your age, your status, whether you have a job or not, in the kingdom of heaven's eyes does not matter. Have you been with Jesus? Are you living a John 15 life? Because see, here's the secret to it all. Apart from Jesus, I have nothing to offer you. And you have nothing to offer me. I am in desperate need of him in every moment. And so are you. And it's wisdom when we realize that. One of my favorite prayers is help me, Jesus. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do but I know this person in front of me needs you, so I'm gonna step out. I don't always know what I'm gonna say, but I trust he's gonna speak, and he does. He's so faithful. When people have conversation with you, do they take note you've been with Jesus, or do they think of something else? Because that's a game changer. Because in heaven's eyes, 
doesn't matter the size of your ministry. What matters is are you with him? Are you with him? So for me, that changed everything. Seminary didn't change it. Studying apologetics didn't change it. Getting in the quiet place with the Lord changed everything. It's when I learned that I was a son. And evangelism didn't just become something I did when things were going well. It became something I did in all of life because of Matthew 5. This is another thing the Lord showed me. You guys tracking? Is this good? Amen. Yeah. Scriptures say that God is good and his love endures forever. You know those are bookends to every aspect of his character. If we grab a hold of those bookends, no matter what goes on, we won't falter. He's good and his love endures forever. And his, how he went after you is how he wants to go after your friends, coworkers, neighbors. You're his plan A to reach the people around you. He doesn't, he could do it through anybody else, but he chose you because he put you there. Otherwise, when you gave your life to Jesus, you'd go straight to heaven. But the fact that you're still here means he has a plan and purpose for your life, and it goes beyond just you getting a blessing. And so we can bless everybody else through what we've been given. Amen? Amen. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Uh, I felt good about that. I don't know how you guys felt, but... <laughs> Matthew 5, starting in verse 14. This is Jesus speaking, not just to his disciples, but to a crowd. So this applies for all of us. Sometimes we can read this and be like, oh, it's just talk. But we're also his disciples, right? Because we said yes to him. Yeah. But I just want to point that out. He says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So when I look at this scripture, because sometimes we can read scripture and we get so familiar with it, we don't let the profoundity really hit us. But Jesus says we are light. That's how he sees you. That means that's who you are. He says in, in the Gospel of John, those who believe in me are sons of light. We're children of light. So just think about that for a moment. You are light. And think about all those implications when you're in a dark room, you turn on the light, the darkness vanishes. That's actually what you do in the spiritual. When you show up to a place, darkness literally flees. It gets pushed back. He goes on to say in that same passage that a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Guys, you're not supposed to be hidden. We're not supposed to hide. If you feel the need to blend in, you don't know who you are. Because he said we're meant to shine in the following verse. You are meant to shine. You're meant to shine in your school, in your workplace, the grocery store. You're meant to shine everywhere you go. This is who we are. And it changes everything. When you realize darkness is actually afraid of you, when you realize you're made to shine, you're not made to hide, and we're supposed to stand out. Those are pretty profound things, aren't they? They're simple, but they change everything. So when I go to Walmart, we have four kids. We don't always go in the store. That just gets crazy. So sometimes we do the online order, and we have them pick it up. Because I'm a light, I'm a son, 
you understand that the world is groaning, waiting for you and I to be made known. Why? Because we're sons and daughters of the living God. And this world is groaning for you to make your father known. Because he lives in you. Amen? Amen? This is the good news. So when I get, pick up an online order, I get out of the car, I follow them around, and I get up to them and say, hi, I'm Josh, how can I pray for you? I don't know how much time they have. Sometimes, like I've been there before, and there's like the whole place is packed out, and they're like, I just got five minutes. So I take that five minutes and I share with them who Jesus is. I pray a blessing over them. I let them know that Jesus loves them, sees them, and wants a relationship with them. I don't have to try. It's just who I am. It's who we are. If you can hear God's voice for you, that means you can hear God's voice for someone else. And it's fun, because I'm doing it with my dad. I'm in constant conversation with him. Lord, what do you think about that person? What do you see in them? Lord, I want to have your eyes for the person in front of me. I want to have your heart. Because he is searching this earth for the lost, and he's waiting for you and I to join him and be part of his search party. But he can't do it if we don't say yes, if we don't partner with him. We have to step out in faith. And it's terrifying at times. I've been doing it for over like 20, almost 25 years, and it's still sometimes scary. But you know what I've realized? Sometimes the fear I feel is actually what the enemy feels at what I'm about to do. Think about that. Not every time you feel fear is it actually you. It could be projected on you. So you have a choice. You can choose faith. I'm a believer. Or you can back away. The Lord never disappoints when we choose faith. Never. He'll never shame us if we choose faith. Never shame us. So, how are we doing on time? Oh, I'm doing great. Awesome. Let's go to Acts 1.8. Guys, I'm feeling good this morning because God is just so good. He's changed my life. I'm not the same person I was even 10 years ago, even five years ago, even one year ago. I want more hunger. <laughs> I want to encounter him deeper. I want more freedom. Like, I have freedom, but I want more freedom. I want his spirit, and where his spirit is, there's freedom. So we can do this in sonship. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is your backyard, your city. So I grew up in a Baptist church. I was taught the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin. I was honestly afraid of the Holy Spirit in high school because I thought he was only going to tell me what I did wrong. Later I found out that he's the comforter. I thought, oh, that's, that's nice. <laughs> I don't have to fear that. And then I realized he was the teacher. And I was like, I could ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he would give it to me to know him. Yeah. Then I read Acts 1.8. And I realized, oh, if I wanted the fullness of the Holy Spirit, catch that? This is the maturity. I need him as, as the one who convicts. I need him as the one who comforts. I need him as the one who teaches. But then I also need him as the one who gives me power to be a witness. Because it's who I am. And it's who you are too. And when we understand this, we, I started recognizing to walk in full maturity means I have to 
rely on the Holy Spirit to help me be a witness. And it's fun. Like, seriously, I walk up to people I don't know, ask the Lord, can you give me a word for them? And I walk up to a stranger and I share it. And I don't always get it right, just being real. And I tell them, you know what? I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. But when I get it right, it wrecks them. Like, I was in UMKC uh, many months ago, and we were walked into the library of all places that we felt to go. And um, I was working with InterVarsity and some other people, and we had a team, and they were praying over this girl, and her friend was just staring. And these were a bunch of students from India. They'd just been there maybe about a month. And she was just staring, like, what is going on? What is happening while my friend's being prayed for? And the Lord told me that this girl dreams every single night, and she has multiple dreams. So as this is happening, I just walked over to her, and I said, I asked her, do you dream every night? She says, yeah. I said, in fact, you have multiple dreams. And she started looking at me and said, how do you know this? And I started talking about my relationship with Jesus. Because I'm a son, because I'm with him, I have his spirit. And he's known you before the foundations of this world. And if you give your life to him, he can make you holy and blameless, and you'll be found in love. It's Ephesians chapter 1. He does that for us. He wants to do that for them. So we had this great dialogue, but she didn't know what to do with it. She'd never experienced anything like that in her life. Again, how many of you guys like going to drive-thrus? Now, how many of you go through drive-thru? You guys ever have to wait at a drive-thru? Do you guys like waiting at a drive-thru? Don't get frustrated. Instead, ask the Lord, can you give me a word for them? I'm serious. It's the best use of your time. So we were in Tulsa and going through this drive-thru, and this was like almost a year ago. It was like, took 20 minutes. And the first five, I was getting ticked off. You know, I'm like, we got to get going. We're traveling. And the Lord instantly, just gently said, Josh, this person needs a word. Didn't see her face, didn't know what she looked like. So I said, Lord, would you give me a picture to encourage her? I got a picture of her cheerleading. Guys, that's a weird picture. I don't even know what she looks like. I hadn't even seen her yet. I don't know age. I don't know anything. So I get up to the thing, and I asked her if she liked cheerleading. And she said, yeah, why do you ask? I'm a cheerleader. I cheerlead all the time. I forget what she said exactly. And I looked at her, and I said, because I'm a Christian, and I asked Jesus if he would give me something to show me about you. And I looked at her in the eyes, and I said, do you know what this means? And she was a little confused. This means that Jesus sees you, that he loves you, and he wants relationship with you. Her whole countenance changed. Why? Because I took a moment to listen to my dad and walk in obedience and step out because I'm a believer. I'm a person of faith. And so are you because you said yes to Jesus. This is a lifestyle of evangelism. Can we go to uh, 1 Corinthians 3? Six through seven. Um, I want to tell you one of my favorite kingdom principles that we don't always realize. But every time I take a new team out to do evangelism, I tell them this is the first kingdom principle you have to understand. Everybody gets to play. Nobody is benched in the kingdom of God. All of you have a role. All of you have a calling. All of you have something God wants to do with your life. And whether you're extroverted or introverted, you could pray over your coworker, your friend, your neighbor. And it doesn't take anything other than listening to your dad and walking in obedience to what he says. Sharing the gospel is like a spiritual workout. 
If you don't use the muscle, it atrophies. But I've seen this as I've taken people out that were shy, that were scared, that were worried, that were afraid. This is what I do when I take them out. I start the conversation. I say, my friend Bob here is going to share his testimony. <laughs> I just step back. I'm praying for you. You know? I coach him. I help him along. You know? Or I'll be like, I shared the gospel with somebody, and I said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? They're like, yeah. I'm like, that's great. Sally over here is going to lead you in a prayer. Because I want to build up faith. I want to help them flex that muscle. I'm not there to take over. I'm there to lead them and guide them into what God's called them to do. Because this is our inheritance. Our inheritance as sons and daughters is to manifest our king and to share the light of Jesus everywhere we go in everything we do. So, all right, do I have how many more minutes? A couple, all right. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 six and whatever, read it on your own, but it basically says we water, we, sorry, we plant seed and we water the seed, but it's God who makes it grow. Obedience means planting seed, it means watering, and trusting God is going to make it grow. The more seeds you plant, the bigger the harvest will be either for you or somebody else. But when you plant a seed, it has the entire tree in it, as my wife told me between the services. Think about that. You're planning the gospel. It has the ability to change a life. Amen? Amen? So what is your evangelism plan? Because all of us have, that are maturing in Christ, we have a plan to spend time with Jesus. But what is your plan to be a light? What is your plan to share Jesus? Is it going to be spontaneous? What is it going to look like? You need to sit with him and ask. It's not a religious thing. This is the... I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I want to walk with my dad and I want to see his kingdom manifest. And your circumstances don't define his goodness and his love so you can share. When I'm having what could be a bad day to the world, I tell more people about his goodness because I want to live a life that the enemy wishes he never messed with me or my family. Because I'm a son. I'm loved, I'm called, I'm chosen. There's no circumstance in this world that can change that. The love of Jesus is the power and to transform a life when we show it. The gospel, when we share it, will transform lives. It's the power of God. And this is what we carry. This is what we walk in. So I want to pray over you guys and invite you. If you want to grow on this, like Aaron said, come Wednesday. We'll do some practicals. But regardless of whether you can come, man, when you're going to get lunch today, ask the Lord for a word for your waitress. That's something my wife and I do if we go on a date. We ask the Lord, can you give us a word for the waitress? And if we don't get anything, we give them a tip, and so we, want, and we give a little bit more, because, and we say, Jesus gives. He doesn't take. He loves you and wants relationship with you. Amen? Amen. All right, so Father, we thank you. We thank you, thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you that I'm not the same as I was when I first met you. I thank you that everyone in here is loved. Everyone in here is your favorite. Everyone in here is called and chosen. You have a plan for each of their lives. I thank you that we're not orphans, that we are sons and daughters of the living God. Jesus, give us boldness to proclaim your word with truth. Give us boldness to bless people with prayer. Give us boldness to be light. 
and let us do it in sonship, allowing our dad to be manifest through us because we're yours. Pour out your spirit upon everyone here. I pray that they'd have such a love for you that it'd spill out everywhere they go. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.